Hey, let me pray and we'll look into God's Word. God, you, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying that uh, not just to remind them, but also to remind me that we all uh, need the Holy Spirit. And uh, without the Holy Spirit, Christianity is simply an exercise in religiosity. And we don't want that. We want to have it to be an exercise in the supernatural reality of having a relationship with you, God. And that's only possible through the Holy Spirit in our lives, Holy Spirit opening up our eyes and our hearts so we can be the kind of people that you said we can be, and that's full of your life and your power inside of us. And that's what we want to be. Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So I have to make a lot of decisions in life, so I have on the slide decisions, decisions. So let me tell about one decision Kathy and I had to make a few years ago. When David was four years old, David's not here, he's going to church with a friend, and Kathy's visiting her parents, but when David was four years old, he totaled one of our vehicles. And he's like, yeah. So the car, the car was in our, in our street, in park, with no keys in it, and somehow, he was, he, we were waiting to go somewhere, and he was playing with the steering wheel. Somehow, it got in a neutral, and the wheels were turned such that it rolled downhill into our yard, down into a gully, with him in the car the whole time. And... Uh, I mean, I, I run downstairs, and Kathy's screaming, and I'm like, what are you, and I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm like, why is the van down there? And anyway, he totaled the car. So even though he's 17 now, I keep telling him, remember, you've totaled one vehicle already, no more accidents, all right? So, but, uh, and he's, he was okay, of course he's okay. But, uh, so we had to make a really fast decision. We needed to, we needed to replace that van, all right? So we had four kids, and the other car we had was a, uh, Volkswagen Passat, and you, you can't put six people in a Passat very well and still get along with each other, right? So we had to, we had to get another van, and so we looked at a van locally in town, and, and, I rem- and it, was more than, it was more money than we really wanted to pay, right? You, you all had to buy cars and things like that, but it seemed like it was the best fit for us and things like that, and I remember I was, I was anxious about the money. I mean, we got a settlement from the van, but we were going to buy one that was more than the settlement, and like we had to get some financing, and I was like, and I remember asking Kathy, because I just thought, we should, we should probably ask, you know, God what he thinks about this. I mean, not in a way like God, but I just, I I remember asking Kathy, and this is how we, that's how Kathy and I say it, I said, do you have any checks in your spirit about this purchase? And a check in our spirit, the way we talk about it is, do you have any hesitancy from the Holy Spirit about doing this? And you might think, well, why would the Holy Spirit care about what van you buy? I just think he cares how we spend our money, right? But I remember asking Kathy, do you have any checks in your spirit about this? And we had to make a decision like in, you know, 36 hours, so we just needed it. And, and she said to me, I don't have any checks in my spirit. Do you have any checks in your spirit? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I have all kinds of checks in my head because, you know, I can do the math. But I thought, but I still feel like there's something inside of me. I feel at peace about doing this. And I, and we had, you know, we'd prayed together about it, but I just said, if there's no checks in our spirit, we don't, and then we feel like, this, let's buy this. And it's not like all of a sudden more money appeared than we wanted to have, but it was, it was one of the decisions, and we've had others, and maybe you, I'm sure you have too, where you kind of realize, okay, what, how does God help me make these decisions? And we've had other decisions, you know, and you have too, uh, Decisions about where to live, what career to pursue, who to marry, when to marry, how many kids, what do you name the kids, how do you spend your money, how do you spend your free time. There's all kinds of decisions we make. But the question I'm going to throw out to all is, where does the Holy Spirit fit into those decisions? Um, 
researchers at the Columbia Business School said we make 70 decisions a day. Then they also followed around corporate CEOs, so I'm thinking Doug Parker here, and they followed them around for a week and said the average CEO makes 126 significant decisions a week. And 50% of those decisions they make in less than 10 minutes, 12% take them more than an hour to make the decision. Maybe that's not true for Doug, I don't know how he makes decisions. But we all have to make decisions. I mean, about money, about people, about time, and it's like, okay, so does the Holy Spirit care about those things? How do we, how do we include the Holy Spirit in making decisions? And I, I had a friend years ago that said he was so obsessed with this issue years ago that he used to ask the Holy Spirit which towel to use when he got out of the shower. And he realized how stupid that was, but it's like, okay, I'm not saying you have to ask the Holy Spirit whether you go to Starbucks or Dunkin'. I, that, that's probably, the Holy Spirit probably doesn't care. Or maybe he does if you're a real coffee person, I don't know. But what about the bigger decisions of life? Like, like I said, who to marry, your kids, decisions about that, decisions about your money, about your future, about where God wants you in life, right? So we've been doing a series called Honor the Holy Spirit. And like I said, I've said and I'll repeat this, there's always, there's two things, one, one somebody, somebody told me this, a couple years ago, there's two things that really matter when everything else in church becomes like messed up or conflict hits or persecution hits, and that is how do we learn to pray like Jesus? How do we honor the Holy Spirit? Because what that, both those do is they highlight the supernatural reality of Christianity. Christianity is not a um, moral religion. It's not a, uh, it's not a political religion. Actually, this week, I, I was, I'm just going to encourage you to think about how you might answer these questions with people. Is that rain? Yeah, it is rain. All right. So I, I teach a class at IU, and after class, one of the students came up to me, and he said something about, he, was, he knew I was a pastor, and he was surprised that I, he thought, he said, I, I was assuming John 3.16 would be showing up on the PowerPoint slides every once in a while. I was like, why would I do that in an education class? But he said, you're a religious person, aren't you? And I said, actually, I'm not a religious person. I'm a follower of Jesus. And he said, oh, I like the way you, uh, but I'm, I'm just going to encourage you to think about how you, def when people ask you those kind of questions, because I thought, and I said, I don't even call myself a Christian per se. I'm a follower of Jesus, because I want to understand what it means. I want to understand the supernatural realities of what it means to follow Jesus. Religiosity is something most of us don't want to be a part of, right? So we've been talking about honoring the Holy Spirit and how do we honor the Holy Spirit. And every week we've looked at different ways where the Holy Spirit shows up, either in the Gospels or specifically in the book of Acts, in some of the verbs that are used. You know, we're told that Jesus tells us to receive the Holy Spirit. God says that God pours out his Spirit on people. We're filled with the Spirit. There's all kinds of verbs and things that are used. Um, but this week I'm going to talk about the situation in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit was part of a decision they were making. And how does that feel like? What does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis when you have to make a decision and the Holy Spirit, you sense at least, the Holy Spirit is nudging you a certain way or a certain other way, all right? So a couple assumptions first, and we'll look at the passages in Acts. First assumption is if there's something that God wants you to know or me to know, he's able and willing to plainly communicate that to you, all right? As long as we're open and prepared to obey, all right? If there's something that 
the Holy Spirit wants you to know he is capable and able to plainly communicate that to you if you're prepared to obey. And I add that last part because I think often God um, may not speak to us if he knows we're not going to obey anyway. All right? But if there's something the Holy Spirit wants you to know, he's capable to tell you, and we're capable to understand it. It's not like rocket science. It's not like a foreign language. It's ordinary people kind of reality, all right? That's the first assumption. If, if there's something God wants you to know, um, he's able to tell you in a way that you understand, all right? S- second assumption is this. I think most of us here would say we believe that Jesus leads us, the Holy Spirit can lead us. Of course, he leads me in my life. But sometimes that is relegated to, you know, Sunday morning he leads us. But some of the in-between time and other decisions, um, we don't really make a conscious effort to listen to the Holy Spirit on other things. So I think most of us say we, we want God to lead us. We want Jesus to lead us. Yes, he does lead us. But I think I'm fair to assume, myself included, I don't always make a conscious effort to ask the Holy Spirit's leadership on certain decisions I need to make. All right, so I think those are both pretty fair assumptions. Um, so Jesus said in the Gospels that he, his sheep can follow his voice. He said, they, they know my voice, they follow me. So there's three different situations in the book of Acts we're going to look at, and I'm just going to kind of ask the question, what does this look like and feel like, all right? So these are all from the book of Acts. Go to the very first one here. So the situation here was this. The Gentiles were becoming Christians, and it kind of threw some of the Jewish Christians off. So some of the Jewish Christians who were still kind of legalists said, no, no, if these Gentiles become Christians, they have to be circumcised, all right? Because they were, uh, that was the law of Moses, even though what Jesus did kind of superseded that. Oh, they have to be circumcised. So they had a leadership council in Jerusalem, and they kind of decided this. They decided certain things. But this is what it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, and I'll hi- we'll talk about the highlighted part in a second, to lay no greater burden on you than these three requirements. And they basically told the Gentiles, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, don't eat blood from strangled animals, and avoid sexual immorality. But they said, you don't need to be circumcised, which I'm sure the Gentile men gave a big sigh of relief, right? So, but they say this, okay, it was seemed good to the Holy Spirit. How'd they know that? I mean, if, if I'm going to make a decision, I mean, you know, if Matt and I are business partners and I'm going to make a decision and we both say, well, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, we should do it that way. Well, how does it seem good to the Holy Spirit? Did he talk to us? Did he say something to us? Well, th- this, is, this is spoken in almost like plain language. They knew it was the Holy Spirit. They knew the Holy Spirit was telling them, this decision, here's three things we think you, we, want you, we want you to do, but no, you don't need to be circumcised. So the Holy Spirit was very specific to them. They seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So again, my, the language that Kath and I have used, and we're not, we don't, we're not perfect with it, but okay, is there a check in your spirit? And what I'm kind of asking here, does it seem good to the Holy Spirit that we'd make this decision? about this issue or that issue or whatever else. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So somehow the Holy Spirit communicated to them, wasn't just a person. Maybe, maybe one person might have said, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's saying this, 
And everybody else may have said, yes, that resonates with me. I don't know. We don't know how that happened. But it seemed like it wasn't like a rocket science discussion, and it wasn't a vote. It was like, oh, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we decided this way. So the Holy Spirit was part of the decision. But I think what I'm trying, I want, I want to encourage you to demystify how that happens because I, I don't think there was writing on the wall. I don't think the Holy Spirit all of a sudden yelled at him or spoke orally. I mean, the, God does speak through dreams and visions and audible voices in the Bible, but the typical way that God speaks to the Bible to typical people, and I think it's true today, is through these inner impressions. So somebody had an inner impression or some bodies had an inner impression, and then when they spoke it, the rest of the group said, yes, that resonates. That, that resonates with my spirit. All right? Even though their minds, I mean, they don't check their mind out, but they're probably still thinking, but is there something about resonates with my spirit? Yes, let's do this. All right? And how, what does that mean? Well, I'll talk a little bit about the impressions and how do we know with impressions are the Holy Spirit or not. All right? So that was, that's passage one. Here's the next one. So this is Paul and Silas for traveling, and, and they're on their first or their second, what's called the second missionary journey of Paul. And this is what the Bible tells us about this particular travel venture and some of the decisions they had to make. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? How did they know they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go somewhere? To speak the word in Asia. And a verse later, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What did that feel like for them? Again, I'm trying to demystify that because the Spirit, I mean, the Spirit forbid them to do something. How do they know that? Did somebody stand on the road and say, stop? The Holy Spirit says, I mean, again, maybe it was just this impression. Um, That's why... And I, the check in my spirit I got from somebody else who was a mentor of mine. Maybe a check in your spirit might be the Holy Spirit forbidding you to do something. You know, I don't think we should do that. Why? I don't know. I just have a check in my spirit about it. And you don't say that to try to manipulate a group decision, or if you're married, you're not saying that to try to manipulate your spouse. But somehow, Paul and Silas sense they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's a pretty specific thing the Holy Spirit was forbidding. And he didn't allow them to go into Bithynia. So how do, we, how do you know that other than, I'm going back to, other than it must have been some kind of impression. Or sometimes there's circumstances that come into play where, okay, we can't do that. Because circumstances came in the way, and we're going to assume that's the Holy Spirit who, who put those circumstances in the way. But regardless, they knew it was the Holy Spirit. At least they told Luke would have been the one who was writing the book of Acts. Somehow when he was interviewing people and talking about these events, somebody must have said this. No, no, the Holy Spirit forbid us to do that. I mean, if I would have been Luke, I would have been like, how would you know that? How would you know it was the Holy Spirit? So God can often speak through like a circumstance of a situation. Um, when we first started Exodus, which, I mean, my first sense that God was telling us to start Exodus, I was working in another church in town. And I brought this, I printed it off yesterday, I was rereading it. This is like 22 pages 
I was writing it for my own benefit as to how I felt like God was telling me I'm supposed to start a new church. But then, and I, I thought originally, okay, I'm supposed to leave that church, and then the very next day I start this new church in Bloomington. But there were some circumstances that came up within the church and even outside of the church that I felt like God was forbidding us to start the church right away and said, move away first, move to Michigan, and then sometime you'll come back to Bloomington. We had no idea, but I, we clearly sensed, and I didn't use this language then, but we clearly sensed God was saying, no, now's not the time to do what you want to do. Because the circumstances were such that certain doors that we thought would be open were closed. Certain situations didn't happen like we thought. And then when you kind of run that by the Holy Spirit, so to speak, then the Holy, you kind of realize the Holy Spirit is like, no, I did that. I'm, I'm forbidding you from doing it right now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not allowing it right now. Then later on, God opened the door for us to come back here. But it was one of those things where it was, we thought this is sort of what God wants. But it was like, no, I don't want you to. No, not now. And you might, you might have those decisions in your marriage. You might have those decisions in your business where you realize, okay, I think this would be a good thing to do. But, And these were good things to do. They, were, they wanted to talk about Jesus to people. But the Holy Spirit said no to Asia and no to another area. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you no. He will give you a check in your spirit. Even though what you are envisioning doing is a really good thing, but he knows, of course, more than you not know or I know about our future. I mean, there's decisions I've made where I felt like the Holy Spirit forbid, forbid me to do something, and again, I didn't use that language when, I, when it happened, but I, then in hindsight, I realized, oh, wow, I was saved from something by not going that direction. If I would have done that, it could have really messed some things up that I didn't even know about. But again, I'm just, I'm just, again, asking the question of, this seemed to be kind of normative language. Like, okay, the Holy Spirit speaks that way to us. He might forbid you to do something or tell you not to do something. But, of course, not out of a spirit of, like, control. I mean, not, not control like we think control. Of course, the Holy Spirit wants to control us. But it's not just random. He's, there's a reason. And then here's the third passage. In uh, Acts chapter 19, this is Paul. This is a few chapters later. He's still traveling around. Now, after these events, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. So this is Paul saying, I, I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to this place now. I mean, they clearly said we were forbidden to go to that place. But now I'm feeling compelled to go to that place. And again, then the question I want to ask is, what does that feel like if the Holy Spirit's compelling you to do something? I mean, is it a, does it feel like a caffeine high? Does it feel like, what does it feel like? And I, I think, again, trying to demystify it, I think it was just this inner passion that Paul's like, I think I'm supposed to do that. I'm feeling compelled to do that. And it wasn't an impulsive compulsion. It was just like, I just feel compelled, I think that's what we're supposed to do. And again, never use those terms in terms of trying to manipulate other people. If you're married, don't try to manipulate your spouse unless you genuinely feel, I feel compelled we're supposed to do that. But you still want to see if you're on board with each other and things like that. But what, 
So some cases, we might be forbidden by God to do something that could be good. Other situations, we might be compelled by something. Um, you know, Kathy's not here, but she's visiting her parents, but I'm telling the story accurately in case she ever listens to the podcast, which I know she won't. But anyway, when we had three kids, I wanted a fourth one, all right? I wanted a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and an eighth too, but that was out of the question, right? And I just wanted a fourth one. I wouldn't say I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit. I just said, I think I want one. And I'm, I, I was, I, again, don't ever use the Holy Spirit as a way to manipulate somebody else. I just, I just, you know. So we had a little bit of a stalemate for a number of months, and we just, I just didn't bring it up anymore because I feel like God actually, I don't feel like, I know God told me at a certain point, don't bring it up anymore. All right, don't bring it up anymore. I was like, but God, you know what I want. I, I know what you want, but don't bring it up anymore. Well, then there was a situation, I don't know, a few months later, kind of out of the blue, Kathy said, she didn't use this language, but she might as well could have said it this way. I feel compelled to just have another child. And I'm just like, whoa. She goes, no, I, again, I'm not trying to make her sound any more spiritual than she is or was. But she basically said, I just, I think, I think God told me. I think the Holy Spirit told me we were supposed to have a fourth one. Let him come, is what she said. So she felt compelled to. Of course, I was glad she felt compelled to, all right? But she, there was something, if you don't know my wife, if she doesn't want to do something, she will not do it. She is stubborn. I mean, I am too, all right? So when she said, I feel compelled to do this, it had to be God, right? Because that's something she knew, and she knew that. It wasn't something she actually wanted to do, but she felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to do that. So there's times where, you know, you might feel forbidden by the Holy Spirit or compelled by the Holy Spirit, but again, I'm just saying at least engage the Holy Spirit on some of those bigger decisions of your life. And again, Scripture... Sometimes there's an angel that talks to people, dreams and visions, audible voice. Right now I'm just focusing on what I'm, what I'm calling the impressions. Sometimes people might call them a leading from the Holy Spirit. Some people call them a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Some people call it an inner voice. That seems to be the normal way that God often leads people, um, those inner promptings, all right, that are specific, they're personal, they're intelligible, you know what's being said. It's like I said, the assumption, if God wants to tell you, he can tell you in a way you'll hear it, all right? And the impression, and you might say, well, how do I know if the impression I'm feeling is the Holy Spirit as opposed to my own inner conscious voice, you know, kind of Freudian psycho thing? Well, I mean, kind of know if it's the voice of the Holy Spirit, then it's the voice of God, and you'll have the tenor of the voice of God. God isn't a forceful being. He's not going to argue with you. He's not going to try to convince you. He's just going to say, this is what I want you to do, or this is not what I want you to do, All right? So if it's my inner, if it's my own voice, if it's my own self-conscious, then I might have these self-arguments, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and I'm, I might feel pressure, but if it's the voice of God, he just says it and lets it sit there. And in my experience, like I said last week, it, it doesn't go away. It's like the Etch-a-Sketch, you keep shaking, but the words don't go off the screen. Now, sooner or later, if you keep ignoring it, it will go away because God will, he, he will speak to you 
And if you test them and say, God, I want to know this is you, and you shake the etch sketch and it still says, don't do this, or yes, do this, or be compelled to do this, he will speak to you. But if you repeatedly are ignoring it and you know you're ignoring it, I do think God kind of does let it go off the screen. And so often I've said to God, and, and I would encourage you to do the same thing, God, I want to know this is you, and I'll do it if it is. But if it's not you, will you take it out of my, out of my conscious thinking? And I'm not trying to be overly you know, psycho about that, but I just, God, if it's from you, then let the thought, let the impression come back to my mind sometime in the next few days in a way that just seemed random, like I, I, this has to be God. And there's some things I feel like God wanted me to do, and I, I kind of threw that test out there to God. God, I don't know if this is you or not. If it's not you, just kind of let it drop out of my, you know, conscious memory. And I didn't think about it anymore. And then I might have thought about it three weeks later, and I was like, oh. But it was more of a memory than it wasn't a compelling thought of the Holy Spirit in me. So, um, I just, you know, maybe there's ways the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Maybe there's ways Holy wants to lead me or lead you that he just wants us to ask him. And again, I'm, don't, don't ask the Holy Spirit which towel to use. I don't think the Holy Spirit really cares if you use cream or sugar in your coffee either. So if you're going to spend time asking that, you're going to be, you'll have a long day if you ask the Holy Spirit about those kind of decisions. But when it comes to, you know, jobs, job changes, career, kids, decisions about kids, decisions about your life, decisions about your money, um, might just be worth asking, Holy Spirit, what, what do you think about this? So put the next question up there. You know, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Or what do you want me to do if you're just you? What do you want us to do? Sometimes just asking that question and you don't need to ask and then have this deep sense of, three hours of silence where you try, but just ask the question and then pay attention to what kind of impressions or promptings or inner voices kind of get stamped on, on your heart. And you're like, oh, this feels compelling to me. We're supposed to do this. Or I just feel a check in my spirit. I think we're not supposed to do this. There's nothing wrong with this. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Paul and Silas wanted to go to certain countries to talk about Jesus, but, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm going to forbid you. That's not my plan. So, so the question is, you know, what, what issue right now in your life could you invite the Holy Spirit into the conversation? Again, job, money. Um, maybe there's a stalemate relationally whether it's in your marriage or with somebody you work with or mom or dad or brother or sister or son or daughter and there's some relational stalemate, maybe you, you don't need to tell the other person to do that, maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit tells you, let it go. Or let let your desire take second place to the... I, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit will always do that, but if you're willing to ask the Holy Spirit, especially when there's a conflict, he might ask you to take the lower level and say, okay, I'm going to give on this one. Not always, but, and that's part of the reason why we don't ask the Holy Spirit. That's part of the reason I don't ask the Holy Spirit certain things because I'm afraid he's going to agree if there's a marriage, if there's a conflict with Kathy and I. Sometimes I don't want to ask the Holy Spirit because I'm afraid he's going to agree with Kathy. So I'd rather not know, Right? 
I'd rather just kind of try to win the argument myself, all right? But sometimes when there's times where it's like, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do in this? And I do think there's times where the Holy Spirit said, this says to me, can you just let it go? It's not that big of a deal. Let it go. And he, I, I sense that, that's kind of how I hear it sometimes. Let it go. It's not a big deal. Don't make a big deal about it. But again, there's times where I feel compelled to do something. There's times where I, and you, I'm sure, has felt forbidden to do something by the Holy Spirit. And again, I, I love the language of that a mentor kind of gave me as a check in my spirit. I feel a check in my spirit or I feel compelled in my spirit. You know, even just experiment with that language as you're trying to figure out, is that the Holy Spirit or not? So um, let's honor the Holy Spirit by including him in those conversations because he will always lead you in a direction where you will be alive, awake, and free, always. It may be counterintuitive to you. It may not make sense. It may even cost you something. But the Holy Spirit's desire for you is the same as what the whole Trinity has for you, to be alive, awake, and free in your spirit, full of the life and power that comes from God. So don't be afraid to ask the Holy Spirit what he thinks about something. Because his objective for your life is bigger than your objective for your life. It's more joy, more peace than you even have for your own goals. So ask the Holy Spirit, get his wisdom, let him speak, and then do what he says. So let me pray. Um, just with your eyes closed, just put, put one hand open in front of you on your lap. Just one hand open. And uh, maybe in that hand, put an issue right now where you, maybe you're at a crossroads, uh, maybe you're at odds with a person in a certain situation. Maybe you're at a crossroads of decision about a money decision, a career decision, a future decision. Just and, and with that hand open, and just now, just, I don't want you to say it out loud. I just want, if, that's, if this is what you want, I want in your own spirit to say to the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me about this? All right, so take just 10 seconds, ask the Holy Spirit, in your own spirit, nobody needs to talk. What are you saying to me about this? Jesus, you just heard from us a number of prayers being lifted to you where we're asking you for your Holy Spirit to speak to us on a certain issue. Something we have to decide about. A decision we are facing or we know we'll face soon. And so we've asked you, and like I've said earlier, you're capable to speak us, to respond to us in a way that is plainly understandable for us. We don't need a code book. We don't need a interpreter, but you can tell us in a way that we know it's you and we understand what you're saying. So would you, as you've always promised, would you respond to our prayer and give us wisdom that we know is from the Holy Spirit? Um, we have our own in intelligence. We know you've given us smarts and brains, but now we're asking for a wisdom that even goes beyond what our minds are capable of doing. 
and give us that kind of wisdom. So give us ear, get, fine-tune our ears so this week, even today, we might hear something or sense something and kind of be able to test with you. And, uh, but we want to do what you ask us to do. You can put your hands back. And God, we ask this all in the name of Jesus, um, who gave us your Holy Spirit. Let me ask this all in his name. Amen.